This podcast is brought to you by Pastor Matt Bolin and Faith Christian Family Church of Lubbock, Texas. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com. If you have your Bibles, let's go ahead and go to Psalms chapter 57. Psalms 57. You know, a few years ago, I read a book. Um, It was funny because a guy gave me the book. The name of the book is So You Don't Want to Go to Church Anymore. And it's kind of weird to give that to a pastor because this is what I do. I go to church. And he said, you should read this book. And I was like, I don't want to read a book about not going to church. That's like the worst thing I could do. And he's like, no, you should just really read it. It really talks about the love of God and who God truly is. And I was like, okay. So I started reading this book, and it was really, really good. It actually came out around the time that the book The Shack came out. So I read The Shack, and then I turned around, and I read this book after it. And so I was just understanding so much more about God. I was understanding a lot more about what he was talking about, but there was a part in the book that changed so much about how I viewed God. You know, I've, I've quoted the scripture many times in, or in 1 John chapter 4. It says that God is love and to know God is to know love. So the only way to really know love is to know God, and the only way to know God is to really experience his love. And so I started to understand that, and there's a spot in this book, and the whole story is a premises of Um, one of the disciples that never died, they said that, you know, he said he may live forever. He's going back and he's just sharing the heart of God, the heart of Jesus with everybody. And he's saying, see, you see this, but this is what he was talking about. You act this way, but he's asking you to do this. And he gets to this point and the guy he's talking to is broken down. He's lost his job. His marriage is in shambles. His kids can't stand him. Nothing is going right in his life. And he's talking to this guy And the guy said this, the disciple, he looked at him and he said, there is no person that you would rather find at the darkest, deepest moment, at your worst moment in your entire life, there's not a person that you would rather find you there than the Lord Jesus himself. Because he will show you what unconditional love truly is all about. When I read that, I started to visualize what this meant. And I've gone through a lot of dark moments a lot of stressful, painful moments. I've shared the story of when I had to come up with, well, my wife and I, we had to come up with $27,000 in one night. And supernaturally, God moved. I, I mean, I, I still, it still blows my mind. I talked about the times that we've gone through different things. My, my daughter, they said that she wasn't going to have a tooth in this one spot. So we started praying. Next time I went back to the dentist, they're like, oh, good, there's the tooth. And I'm like, that just doesn't happen by coincidence. I talked about different times that I believe God for prayer and what God has been doing. And I think one of the best things that we can ever do is share our testimony about what God is doing in our lives. And so I want you to understand this. When he was sharing that thought, it changed my viewpoint of who God truly is. God is not a judge. He has the ability to judge. God is love, and that's unconditional love. And that's the thing that we need to understand about this. When I read about David and all the stuff that he went through, it changes the way that I view God, that I view Jesus, and I view this relationship that I have with him. He's not expecting perfection out of me, because I can tell you first and foremost, I screw up all the time. But I'm so grateful that I have a grace and mercy-filled God who looks at me and sees beyond my mistakes and sees who I truly am so that he can help me to get back to that person so that we can grow that person up. 
And I think that's what it comes back down to. I love this statement right here. This is Psalms chapter 57. Let me explain what's going on here. King David is writing this. King David has already been anointed to be king. And he's run to a cave. And he's hidden in this cave. And this is the same cave that the person who's hiding, he's hiding from, comes in there to relieve himself. And he gets deep down into this and he's sitting there and he's relieving himself and everybody who's around David is telling him, God has given him, he's given your enemy to you, he's sitting right there, he's yours to kill. And it says that he walked up and he cut off part of his cloak. It says that then Saul gets up and he leaves the cave and he gets down the mountain. And as he gets down the mountain, the Lord convicts him so much that he gets up there and he says, my king, why are you chasing me? And it goes on with the story. It's an incredible story to hear about that, how David had all the opportunity in the world, but he slowed down because God is more important than that moment. Listen to what he's saying right here. Verse one, it says, have mercy on me, O God, have mercy. I look to you for protection. I will hide beneath the shadows of your wings until the danger passes by. He's saying simply, God, I need you right now. I need you. I've got to find my peace and my place in you and you alone. But listen to verse 2. He says, I cry out to God most high. I cry out. He's stating it and saying, God, I'm crying out to God who will. This is where faith comes in. This is where everything changes. Everything, danger, fear, all that stuff is screaming in his face. And he looks at him and he says, I cry out to my God. And he looks fear in the face and screams back at it and says this, who will, excuse me, who will fulfill his purpose for me? What that scripture should do for every one of us is we should walk back and say, wait a minute, that's me. I cry out to God most high, to God who fulfills, who will fulfill his purpose for me. He will send help from heaven to rescue me, disgracing those who, who hound me. My God will send forth his unfailing love and his faithfulness. This is what's coming back down to. When you're stressed out, when you're worried about these things, you should go back to this scripture. And you should be the one that's saying, wait a minute, I'm crying out to God. I'm crying out to God. But that's right. Because I'm crying out to the God who will fulfill his purpose for me. Because remember this, you didn't get called to do what you want to do. God called you before you were born. The Bible says in Psalms 139 that he knit you together. He put you together. Piece by piece, dream by dream, calling by calling. So that you could walk step by step with him as he brings you into the calling that God has put there. That he placed so remember this, no matter what's going on, no matter who's in your life, no matter if it's a thorn in your side, if you will simply call out to God and say, God, I know this, you said you would fulfill my calling, that you will fulfill my purpose, the purpose that you have for me, then it changes everything. When I start to walk that out, I understand the truth of what God has. The Bible right there, verse two, it, it cross-references uh, verse 2 cross-references to Psalms 138, verse 8, and it says this. It says, the Lord will work out his plans for my life. The Lord will do it. You know, I think too many times we kind of get to this mindset. When we go to pray, when we go to talk to God, it's almost like we get to this thought process that says, 
I don't know if it's going to work. I don't know if this is truly going to happen this way. So my question that we've got to ask ourselves is, why are we doubting God when I read this scripture? Oh, because that's for David. Well, why isn't this scripture for you? Why are we reading scripture and skipping by it thinking, oh, that, that's a good story? Remember, these stories are telling about your God, your father who loves you. So when you read this scripture, you can take that and put that on me, saying, I cry out to you, O Lord. Help me, because I know this, you will fulfill your purpose for me. I'm going to stay focused on you. I'm going to be like Peter. I'm walking on water. When everyone else is sitting in the boat, I'm going to step out in faith. It's a choice that we choose to make right here. And as we walk through this, we have to ask ourselves the question, why am I struggling with this? Why am I dealing with these things? I started looking at this and I was preparing for this message. And I knew God wanted to talk about prayer, talking about faith. And I knew that he wanted to tie those two things together because understand this, in America today, the statistics say that the average American Christian will go to church one out of three times in the month. They will be at one service for every three Sundays. That's the average Christian in America today. So they're getting one message, and it's supposed to last them 21 days. And then they come back and get one message, and it lasts them 21 more days. How can you be successful with that? What if you ate food like that? I'm going to eat one time, then I'm going to fast for 21 days. Then I'm going to eat food one more time and fast for 21 days. You're going to be really skinny and really fit with God, I guess. But those are decisions that we have to choose to make. Another statistic said this, 10% of believers believe that they have a significant prayer life. Now, it didn't go into define what significant prayer life means, but I asked that question. So let's say there's 100 people in here. According to that statistic, 10 of you have a significant prayer life. And maybe that's like, you know, just got you right there because it kind of got me right there. And I wonder, do I have a significant prayer life? What do we consider significant? Praying before a meal? Praying when we get up in the morning? You know, praying when we get pulled over and we're praying that the Lord, please, Lord, be with that cop as he's coming to get me and just give, him, give me favor, Lord, and we're going to do this? Or, or, or when the boss calls you in, you're like, oh, hold on, let me pray. I gotta, give, give me just a minute. I've got to run to the bathroom and we're going to do it. Lord, be with me as I do these things. I'm sorry, you know. Is that what we consider a significant prayer life? Because Jesus didn't come so that we could have religion. Jesus came so we'd have a relationship. And understand this. I talked about the relationship I have with my wife. If I talked to her once and then waited 21 days to talk to her again, how close do you think we're going to be? Probably not very close. So why do I think I have a good relationship with God if that's the way I view him? If 10% of people believe that they have a significant prayer life, they ask the question, why do you think that is? And it came down to one simple statement, a core unbelief. They had a core unbelief. And so when we start to think about that, that it was all rooted that there was a little bit of unbelief or doubt in who God really was. I think about this, what if you were David? being chased all over the place. How many times would you stop and say, Lord, I know you're going to fulfill your promise. Here I am hiding in a cave that apparently they use for the bathroom. 
So it can't smell that good in this place. And you really got to watch where you're walking because you never know what's going to be there. You know, I, I'm sitting there thinking through all this stuff and I'm thinking how David still said, yeah, but I know you have a purpose for me. And here we are worried about how these people treat me, how they talk to me, what they did about this, what they did about that. And understand this, every one of us have stresses and things in our lives. And I'm not trying to negate what's going on in your life. What I'm trying to say is David never lost focus of who his true Lord truly was, what his purpose truly was. It's the same thing in our lives. Have we lost focus? Have we forgotten what God has called us to do? This is causing issues in our children, though, because they're asking the question, why? And we don't have a significant prayer life, so we kind of have that unbelief in us. So we're like, well, we go to church because we're supposed to. Well, who said so? It goes back to the old statement. I've shared this before, but I think it's a great illustration for it. There was a guy who was was married, married his wife, and and she used to cook this incredible ham. And and she would just, it was incredible, it was just beautiful, but but every time that she would buy this ham, she'd cut off the end of it, and she'd throw it in the trash, and then she'd cook it. And he got, he, he would ask the question, why do you do that? And she said, well, because my mom always did it. And she said, he said, well, well, I don't get it. And she goes, that's the only way it's made right because you have to cut this off in order for all the juices to get through. So she makes up this whole thing and he goes, that doesn't make any sense at all. I don't understand it because it's so good and if we had that much more, I could take some for lunch or I could take some here. So he said, so next time it comes up, there's a ham, she goes to cut it off, says, I don't understand why that happens. Well, you're gonna have to call my mom. So if he calls her, her mom and she, he, he said, why, why do you cut the end of the ham off? And she said, because my, my mom, who's the best cook in the world, that's what she did. And, and he's like, so you really don't know why? Yeah, that's just, that's part of the recipe. That's part of the recipe. And so he goes, okay. So he said, so he calls her grandma. And he says, hey, grandma, you, you're the best cook I know. And you cook this ham and it's so good. I just got a question for you. Why do you cut the end off? I don't understand it. She goes, because my pan's too short for it to fit in there. So I had to cut it off in order for it to fit. We forget to ask the why. We forget to ask the purpose on why, why do you do this? But I think at times in life, we kind of get to that same mentality. Why do you do it? Because. We have 18-year-olds that are leaving the church faster today than in any time in history. Because we're unwilling to answer the question. And I'm not saying it's, not on, it's just on you. No, it's on all of us. Because I think about faith and prayer and how they go hand in hand. And so if if we look at this and we go hand in hand, remember, it says, I cry out, I'm praying. But he has a bold statement to a God who will, not a God who may, not a God who I'm hoping to listen to me, but he said a God who will. And I think about that statement and I'm thinking, he's no question, he will do it. Otherwise, he would have had a whole different mindset. Why do you think David got the nicknames he got? Because he was lucky? Because he took the word of God and said, that's for me. And so if there's stress in your life, you should stand on this verse that says, I cry out to God. I'm crying out to God because I know this. When I cry out to God the most high, to God who will fulfill his purpose for me, I'm good. Because the Bible says that he'll take care of all your needs and all your wants. Verse 22, uh, 55, 22 says, give your burdens to the Lord and he will take care of you. He will not permit the godly to slip and fall. He'll lift you up. 
He'll give you the fortress. He'll give you the protection. And this is what it's coming back down to. When we look at our kids today, they're seeing this, this life. And we're asking them to believe God that we don't even believe. When we ask to pray, are you praying with a certainty that says, when I talk to God, he will do this? Because I think a lot of times we pray out of a courtesy. Uh, let's pray for dinner. God is good. God is great. Let's eat this grub or whatever, you know, whatever you taught as a kid. And then you say those things, and you're like, hey, I've got a significant prayer life. But have you ever given up your job to him? Have you given your marriage to him? Have you given your parenting skills to him, your grandparenting, your relationships with people around you? Because understand this, God loves you. He truly does. But he's also a gentleman, and he can only go where you permit him to go to, which means he can only go where he's allowed, where you open the door. So I talked about tithing. Tithing opens the door for God to come into my finances. And then he gets to do his work. And it's amazing. It's amazing. God will do supernatural things if you'll just permit him the opportunity. So I want you to think about this because understand this. Not only is it important for us to have a a faith-filled life and have a significant prayer life. Remember this. Our kids don't make up 100%. This is a quote. Kids don't make up 100% of our population, but they do make up 100% of our future. So what are we teaching them? How are we standing up? Do we truly believe it? Because if you learn to pray, the cool thing is you'll learn to dream again. You'll learn to be big and remember that he'll do it again and he'll do it again and he'll do it again and he'll do it again, and he'll do it again, that you're not worried whether he will or he won't because you know he will do it again. He will do it again. And it's a choice that we have. Jeremiah 33, we're going to go there quick because I'm going to zip through a few scriptures real quick because I want you to understand this. Jeremiah 33, verse 3 says this. It says, ask me and I will. I love that. I love that statement. Those first four words, those first five words, ask me and I will. Well, I'm taking that to heart because he's talking about me. I will tell you remarkable secrets you do not know about things to come. You don't know about it yet. You don't understand it. Put up the message version if you would. When we get that up there, there we go. So it says, this is God's message. This is his message. It says, the God who made earth, made it livable and lasting, known, known everything as God. Everywhere is God. He's known everywhere is God. So here it comes down, this call to me, pray, and I will answer you. You could just stop right there. You could stop right there and say, that's all I needed. I'm good. Because I know this. If he said it, remember this, God's not a liar. He can't lie. He's the one that said this. And he says, I will answer you. I'll tell you marvelous and wondrous things that you could never figure out on your own. So if you're struggling at work, you ever taken an opportunity to slow down and say, God, I need your help here. I need your wisdom. God, I don't understand how this works. I need your help. God will start to supernaturally give you wisdom. He'll give you guidance. He'll walk you through everything that you need. He'll give you, and all of a sudden, it just becomes real easy. Not because of you, but because of him. It's a choice that we make. We start to incorporate them into these areas. Sometimes I think we pray like my attitude sometimes when I would go into a test. I would think, you know, when I was in high school, I would think, okay, if I, if I shoot for a C, 
That's my goal. I'm going to shoot for a C. That's average. That's pretty bad, personally. But that's average. If I shoot for a C and I get a little bit worse, like a D, well, you know what? I only got one letter grade less. But if I was shooting for an A and I got a D, man, I'm a failure. But if I'm only one under, I'm okay. If I get a C, hey, that's what I'm shooting for. If I get a B, I'm a genius. Plain and simple. I am a genius at that point. If I get an A, I'm the teacher now. You, you can quit. I, I, I mean, I got this. This is my game. And I think that's kind of how we treat life with prayer. It's like we have this attitude that says, God, I know that you'll answer, but I'm really not sure if you will. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm asking for this, but I'm going to settle for this. Because you know what? I can get here. So I'm going to pray a courtesy prayer to incorporate you in this, and then I'm going to do it all. I'm going to make it all happen. Because I'm going to do this, and then I'm going to say, look what God did for me. That's not letting God do it. You did all of it. But I will tell you this, the Bible teaches us that his ways are higher and greater than ours. That if we'll simply ask him, he'll walk us through that. That if you have faith, you can, move, you can move mountains. But not only that, he says he'll give you beyond your wildest dreams. I gave you three different scriptures right there that you can stand upon. He will give you beyond your wildest dreams. Have you given him the opportunity to give you beyond your wildest dreams? Because until you open that door, he can't come in. Because remember, the Bible says in Revelations 3, it says, yet behold, I stand knocking at the door, not busting the door down. He wants to, but he'll never bust into your life. He'll only go where you allow him to. And so the decision that we have to choose to make, are you settling for a C? Because any one of us can get a C. Or are you shooting for the A plus? Saying, God, I can only get a C, but with you, all things are possible. You give me strength. And so I know this, if all things are possible with Christ, then you know what? We can receive an A. We can receive that A. And so it's a decision that we choose to make. Mark eleven twenty three. This is a verse that you look at and you say, do I believe this? Do I trust God? Do I really think that Mark eleven twenty three does happen and is still functioning? Mark eleven twenty three. I want you to think about this. It says this. Get to it, 23. There we go. I tell you the truth. You can say to this mountain, I tell you the truth. If you have a Bible that's written in red, it's written in red. Do you know who's speaking? Jesus. He's saying, I'm telling you the truth. I am telling you the truth. You're saying, no, that was to the disciples. No, he's telling you. He's telling me. I tell you the truth. You can say to this mountain, may you be lifted up and thrown into the sea. And it will happen. But you must. But you must. Really believe it will happen and have no doubt in your heart. I tell you, you can pray for anything. If you believe that you've received it, it will be yours. Now, for time's sake, I'm going to very quickly share a short testimony. For the last six years, my wife and I have been praying for multiple things in our lives. This last year, the last two years, God has moved mightily. And, and, and it happened two years ago that there was a thorn that was in really my wife's side. And it was really sad because it was somebody that was close to us, but we knew that it wasn't a good situation. And so we had two options. I could fight them. That's option one. Let's fight. Let's do this. Option two, I could pray about it. So we got on our knees together and we prayed about it. And we said,
say, God, I, I don't know what's going on with this person, but I say this, if it's not in unity, then get them out. That's it. If they're not in unity and they're not for the same purpose and the same things we're doing, because remember this, a house divided cannot stand. So if they're not in unity and they're not willing to submit and to come under and to humble themselves, then Lord, I pray you take them away. Now, that sounds harsh, but understand that that person is God's child also. And just like your child, you will never let them suffer if you have anything that you can do about it. It's the same thing here. God loves each and every one of us. So we took that person and he put them in a position where they can be successful. We said, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. It's a decision that we have. So this last year, my wife and I were praying continually about a couple of other people that were really putting a lot of stress. So much that we had thought multiple times about doing different things in our lives. And we prayed about it. And we prayed about it. And we prayed about it. And it was like God was, we're like, God, I believe that you're listening, but I'm not sure. I'm not seeing it yet. We started praying and believing God. And, and it came to a point that it was like, oh, it's just going to stay the same. We're just going to have to go through a whole nother year. And then supernaturally within two weeks, he, one, two, gone, gone. And not only that, he took them and put them in places that they wanted to go. He took them out of where they were and put them in a spot because they weren't in unity there. But they could be in unity over here. And he took this other one and he said, we're going to put you in unity over here. He took those people and he started doing that. Now you say, well, that's pretty harsh. No, understand this. The Lord loves you. And he loves you so much. Last November, my wife and I sat down and we said, what do we want to do in the year 2017? What do we want to do? We came up with three major things. One, we wanted to grow a garden. All right, God, we kill plants like they are going out of style. I mean, it is like, that is our job. If you need plants killed, bring them to my house. I'll get it taken care of very quickly. We do that. I mean, I don't have a green thumb. I have a red thumb because it's dead constantly. So we do those things. So I'm like, okay, God, we're going to do a garden. I'm going to trust you for it. They said we want to do a family mission trip. Those are the two major things. And there was one other one that's a personal thing that we were believing for that God's still working on, he's bringing. But the second one, we said, we want to do a mission trip. We're like, okay, great. So a family approached us and said, you want to do this mission trip? We're going to go to Guatemala. We said, okay, that's going to be incredible. They said it'll be $10,000. I said, holy cow. I mean, okay, God. And I remember in November, I'm thinking, there's no way I can come up with an extra $10,000. Are you kidding? I'm like, in my mind going, there's no way, no possibility. So I said, you know what? I'm not going to worry about it. The Bible says, cast your cares and concern on, concerns on me, for I care for you much. Okay. Well, okay, God, here you go. Boom, there's all three. I'm not going to worry about it. You're going to do a garden, then you're going to make it happen. You're going to take us on a mission trip, then you're going to make it happen. Very simply, we prayed about those people. God moved them to positions where they could flourish because they weren't flourishing where they were. He cares about you, and he cares about those around you. The second thing, the garden is flourishing. I never knew how much kale would produce out of one stinking plant. I have cut that thing up. I've shredded it. I've done everything, and it keeps coming back. I mean, literally, when it says that your barns will be full and be bursting out, my barns are bursting out with kale. I am just stuffed with kale. I've got cherry tomatoes coming out. I mean, I've got like 7,000 on one plant. I'm like, I did not know cherry tomatoes did that. Lettuce? Oh my gosh, I, I have bags of lettuce. 
and I'm doing all these things, and I'm like, okay, Lord, thank you. Like, stop it. Stop it. I'm good now. I'm good. $10,000 to go on a mission trip. I said, okay, God, what do you have for us? We baked a bunch of cookies, raised about $2,000 with that, with blessings from different people. We're coming down to it. We're not sure how we're going to get there. And I said, God, I'm not going to worry about it. I'm not taking a loan out. I'm not going to do this, and I'm not going to worry about it. It's going to be on you. I'm going to let you speak to people's hearts. We raised $14,000. It's not me. What I'm telling you is this. When you put it in God's hands, anything is possible. Because when it looks big in yours, it looks small in his and says, I got this. Remember, he's the creator of this entire world. When you pray, you don't stand back and say, I don't know. You step back and you say, I will receive what I'm asking because the Bible says, ask and you shall receive. You're in one of two categories. You're either in the one that's waiting on God to answer your prayer or you're in the one that says, I stopped believing. I stopped dreaming and I stopped asking. So you got to ask the question, am I in this boat that says, I still believe God answers prayers. I still believe it. I believe it because I've seen a move. He'll do it again. Thank you for listening today. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com.